Hello and welcome to the What's On podcast, episode three. Uh, I'm Zachary. I'm Ryan. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about some of the worst book adaptions out there, or book to film adaptions, I should say. Um, so first of all, we're going to start on just stuff that's been interesting in the week, and then we'll move on to our main topic. So I know you've had a busy week this week, Ryan. So I have indeed. Too uh, much work there. <laughs> not a lot of overtime. So. Uh, this is just stuff that I've seen like throughout the week, uh, Twitter news and stuff like. So a big one from our first podcast was that uh, Joker Two, the sequel to Joker, has been announced yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we said our thoughts on our idea of a Joker sequel, and they weren't, we weren't overly positive, but we did think that they could have some sort of innovative. Yeah, they, they could kind of maybe make it into a new story about him, but it's it's the case of. I, I still think, unless they, they throw something out there, because obviously it's just been announced, they haven't shown any plot points or anything, yeah. have they? So you don't know what they're going to do, but from the way that the Joker first film finished, I felt like they'd done what they needed to do. Yeah. But, like I said in the first one, like we'll, we'll, we'll just have to see. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not going to come out for a few years anyway, mm. so... I think he, he could do an amazing job on mm. the second one, and Joaquin... If he'd like Joaquin and Todd Phillips have both said they're on board to do it. Obviously, yeah. obviously Joaquin would have to be in it. Be sort of oh, a sequel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see how that goes. It'll probably be in a few years now, and we'll catch up near the time. If you want to hear any of our thoughts on uh, Joker, just listen to our first podcast. Uh, second one: Have you um, seen anything on the Google Stadia or Stadia? I don't actually know how to pronounce it. Stadia. <laughs> Stadia is it's it? It's Stadia. Mm. Uh, no, nothing. Oh. Uh, well, it was released yesterday, Oh. Uh, and I have not seen any hype at all. <laughs> like, like, literally, like, because do you know what it is? Like, it's a cloud-based gaming okay. console, as it were. So you go into like Google Chrome, and you can get the Google Stadia, and you're able to play games through it. But there's been no hype that I've seen, and the initial reviews have been bad, saying that you have to have like mega fast internet to play and even then it might not even be the best yeah well i mean how many google consoles or whatever have you gonna ever have i mean mm. you've just had a few uh a few weeks ago playstation 5 announced yeah so you know that'll take all of that away and like you said no hype at all i've heard nothing yeah I, like it's just because trend trending twitter's it yeah. normally is like like popped up and it wasn't even to announce that it was being released obviously that came yesterday or last couple of days ago it was about the bad reviews of it. That was the first thing yeah. that I saw about it. So, I mean, it's since it's a cloud-based, they can obviously improve it as they go yeah. on, as opposed to a console. So I think they've always got the opportunity. Google's massive, so you never know. Um, also, the Game Awards for the year, for the Game of the Year, were announced. Most of these, I don't actually know, and I don't know if you'll know many of them. They're Control, Death Stranding, Resident Evil 2, the remastered version, Sekiro... Uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate and The Outer Worlds. Heard of any of them? I've heard of, of quite a few of them. I've not played any of them. The one of, from that that I heard that I definitely want to play is um, Sekiro. Yeah, Sekiro. That's Sekiro. Yeah, because it's kind of like a, it's like a Japanese style. Yep. Uh, Dark Souls kind of. Yeah, it's from the same FromSoft. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's one of the ones I definitely want to play. But. Mm. Um, I've got it upstairs. I've been, oh. I've been playing. Uh, I've not uh, got distracted, but I've been going through, and it's really good. Mm. And it's a big deviation from because I've played all the Dark Souls games and Bloodborne, uh, so it's a big deviation, but still keeping yeah. that feel that FromSoft has been putting in, like the 
the Souls Born series. So that they want to absolutely screw you over and make you die over. Oh yes, again. so many times. <laughs> yeah. But it's yeah, it was really enjoyable. You can borrow it after. Uh, don't know if I'm not done with it. You can probably still borrow it because I'm not going to use it for a little bit. <laughs> Um, but um, I wanted to bring it up because it was interesting, but it's also oh yeah, which was the other ones that you'd heard of? Um, Super Smash problem on yeah, well, yeah, obviously yeah. yeah. Uh, was it Control? You said yeah, yeah. I've heard of Control as well. It's kind of like a telekinesis type game. Oh, okay. Um, and it looks really good. Like the reviews mm. on it are amazing. Um, the Outer Planets as well. I've kind of heard of, but not so much. Mm. Again, I'm not really sure how that works, but I've, I've heard it. Yeah. But that, that's about it. Yeah. Uh, the ones I'd heard of was, uh, I hadn't heard of, I had the control or the mm. Worlds, but I, I knew about Death Stranding, which has come out recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, so recently that I'm surprised it's been included in this list. It's it's by Hide- Hideo Kojima, I think. But I'm really interested in checking it out, because even after seeing the trailers, even after seeing some versions of it, I've still got no idea what it's about. Yeah. And it's meant to be this incredible, groundbreaking game. So I'm interested to check it out, but I've still got no idea what it's about. Yeah, I've, I've not looked into it. I've seen the trailers like you, but what it's mm. about, I do not know. But it looks good. I mean, the um, the actor, I can't remember his name. I don't. He's from. He's the guy from Walking well, Dead. He's in isn't Walking he? Dead, yeah. Um, but that looks amazing. How mm. that's uh, made his face into it and everything. But I guess maybe they could have used the same uh, technology that they used in mm. La Noire. Oh, okay, yeah. With like the face capturing, yeah, images because L. Noir had the best like mm. facial features for the time because obviously they had them in like a booth doing all mm. the speaking and I've, everything. I've not played L. Noir myself. I've seen clips of it. Isn't yeah. there like a mechanic where you try to tell if someone's lying by changes in facial expressions? Yes, yes. Yeah. So obviously you're the police officer and you ask the questions in interviews, mm. and then they'll give you their answer, and you've got to tell whether they're saying the truth. Mm. Or you've got the choices of either truth, doubt, yeah. or press, yeah. press that's, that's where it's come from. <laughs> I, I know, you know the meme. <laughs> <laughs> you know the meme now. Press X to doubt. <laughs> but um, there's a another meme on it. Like an old man who's like very over the top, like down the mouth. Oh yeah, I've, I've seen yeah, that. You one. can you can tell when they're lying because they're just they're just moving about, they're squirming, <laughs> their faces, their eyes are going everywhere. But it's a good it's a good mechanic. Yeah. The the only one I was a bit confused about was Resident Evil Two. Yeah, I've like I've seen a playthrough of it mm-hmm. uh, because um, a creator, um, a YouTuber or YouTube group called RKG, who I followed for who started something at IGN, uh, I followed them and they did a playthrough of it and I watched it uh, because I'm never going to play it myself. And I thought it looked like an amazing game. The graphics have been done really well mm-hmm. for an old game, but I find it a very confusing concept to award a game of the year to a game that's just been remastered yeah well you could say maybe that because it's been remastered it's been brought out to new audiences i mean because when i i don't know when resident evil 2 came out i don't know it been, if it's been remastered it must be a good few years mm, definitely over 15 i think it yeah is. so there'll be a lot of people that are playing games now that never did mm. so never got the chance to play resident evil 2 so if it's been brought out and people have played the newer Resident Evil games, and this one's come out and they've taken it, then it's obviously, it's more people have taken onto it. I mean, like, I've got an example of that in Skyrim. Yeah. That was released in 2011 mm-hmm. on 360 and PS3, yep. and then it got remastered in 2015, okay. I think it was. And then that, but it, the um, it's still selling millions of copies yeah. today. It's it's an amazing, it's just 
people are coming back to it or whatever. So yeah, I, I agree with that definitely. I just found it very confusing because it doesn't it doesn't inspire originality if mm. if like you just get an amazing game from old remaster and Sonic wins new game of the year. I mean, it's it's not called new game of the year. It's called no. game of the year, which it may be. Yeah, I just found it a confusing concept. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Another thing came up was, do you follow Rick and Morty? Seen it? Uh, again, I've don't worry. started it. <laughs> I didn't get into it again, but I need to. I've got too many series. Don't, don't worry, it's not as if the fan base will absolutely attack you for not watching. I know, I know. <laughs> like I said, I've seen episodes, but mm. I haven't fully gotten into it yet. Yeah. Yet. Keyword. Yet. Yeah, I've got one of the most passionate audiences out there. Yeah. I, I've watched it all and I really like Rick and Morty. Uh, find it super well done. Didn't come out last week, but the new season's come out over the last two weeks, so I've been catching mm-hmm. up on that, and it's still going well. I think they've done it to like season six, confirmed it, so check that out if you've not heard it, because Rick and Morty's really good. It's a bit like a comedic um, version of like Back to the Future yeah. uh, in animated form. I check that out. Uh, Witcher three, the season two's already been announced. <laughs> It's not even out for another uh, another three weeks. Yeah, it's so they must that's, be confidence there. That's quick. <clears throat> I saw last night as well. Um, another TV show has been announced for its season two, and it's not even been. I think that's the point I was going to make. Oh, Is it? Uh, was it Lord of the Rings? It was. Yes, it was. Yes, that was the one. <laughs> that's what I saw last night. Yeah, that was a that was another point I wrote down. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. Which um, okay, just mm. a little back. Lord of the Rings, <clears throat> Amazon are making a TV series of it set prior to like the Middle Earth that is shown in Lord of the Rings uh, like years and years or decades back. I don't know when mm-hmm. exactly it is. But they're doing that. But they've not released next to no details that I could find. Yeah. Except that they've just said that they're going to do a season two already. Yeah. And like you said, the save of the Witcher, two, Witcher, Witcher season mm-hmm. two as well. It's, it's not even out for another... Mm. another three weeks so how do you know what it's going to be like Yeah, I mean they obviously must be confident mm. does that give you a bit of confidence then that it's going to be good or do you reckon they're just trying to cash in I think it's I think it's going to be good I think we've talked about this on like yeah. this episode one but I think it's going to be good but I also think they already know it's going to be like a sellout like yeah. they already know it's going to hit it off and it's going to make the money to do a season two Yeah, because it's got such a massive fan base I think it, Witcher 3 was like the big one it's in the top 10 of biggest selling games I'm oh yeah sure. definitely for when it came out yeah so there's that massive fan base that they're going to obviously draw from for Netflix so mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with them like saying season 2 already yeah I think that should be good that's pretty much everything that I could find this week there'll be other stuff but uh, let's just get straight into the main stuff so uh, we're going to start off with <clears throat> one called Percy Jackson, which is set in, or at least the first uh, set of books is set in Greek mythology, um, to do with demigods who are children of gods, uh, Greek gods and humans, and it's based on this char- character called Percy Jackson, who's the son of Poseidon. Spoiler alert. <laughs> one of the big three. Yes. Um, so I think a lot of people have heard of Percy Jackson, so I don't think I need to go into too much more detail. But we're just going to be talking about. Because we both read the books, yeah. uh, we both watched the films, and we just found it to not be a good adaption of the books. And I think a lot of people agree with us. And we're just going to go into detail. Is there any way you want to start? Um, I'd say the start of the first film, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, 
kind of goes with how the book starts. Obviously, Zeus and Poseidon talk about Zeus's uh, lightning bolt being stolen, yeah. and Sean being a pretty good cast oh, yeah. for Zeus, yeah. one where he doesn't die. You know, <laughs> Percy Jackson actually gets to the camp. That's where it kind of trails off a bit for me, mm-hmm. because the camp is nowhere near what it was um, it was shown to be yeah. in the book yeah. like it was meant to be a wide open it was mo- it was a wide open plane if mm-hmm. I remember right yeah. and there was um, a house I can't remember what the house was called mm-hmm. I can't, I can't I remember off the top of my head sorry yeah I can't remember what the house was called but none of that was in the um, in the film it was just literally in the film he wakes up in the infirmary and then he goes out and there's all these people training in what looks like in woodland just on these little obstacle courses and everything yeah it doesn't go into great detail about the camp about the camp it just so welcome to camp halfwood yeah whereas in the in the book obviously he was given a massive tour um he went to whatever this house was called i'm sure we'll find out in a minute mm. um where he met the god um i can't remember how to pronounce his name dionysus dionysus the god of wine yep yep not in the film at all. He is. is it in the second one, he is, isn't he? He's not in the first one. No, he is. Is he? I'm pretty sure. I don't think he's in it a lot. He's. I think he... He might he, be at the end. He has a scene that I know when they're training on, on an obstacle where they're climbing... I, can't, I may be wrong because I might be forgetting this right, but where he pours wine into a glass and it turns to water. I'm pretty sure it's in the first film. But That's he, the second one. We're on the uh, at the start of the film where they're going up like an obstacle type yeah. thing where they're fighting each other. Is that number two? That's ah, number okay, two. Fair enough. That's where I was going to come into with. Um, the, yeah. Go on then. Keep so going. In the first one, he's he's not in the first one at all. all right. And another one that I didn't like a part of the camp was that in the book. Sorry to say, but like yeah. Dionysus in the book was one of my favourite characters. Yeah, he's, he's got pretty such a, funny. He's got such a dry sense yeah. of humour. Dry for the god of wine. You know? oh, yeah. <laughs> Works well, on it. But um. Each each god or goddess had their own cabin. cabin yeah. Obviously, there's thirteen Olympic Olympic gods. Uh, oh, twelve. Tw- twelve main gods. Twelve main gods, and then yeah. you've got the minor ones. But it's yeah. the main ones that are obviously there. Yeah. But um, yeah, they're just not in the book in in the film. Sorry, at all. I mean, literally, you get Percy Jackson taken over to like the lake where yeah. there's like this little like tarpaulin over a bed and everything and it's like there's a trident there and you're like oh I'm the son of Poseidon am I instead of like this massive cabin mm. that he got and there was no oh that's just reminded me yeah, of how he actually found out he was the son of Poseidon in the book because they get claimed don't yeah. they and it pops up above the head there in, in Sinia doesn't it happen after he's attacked by like a hellhound yes something like that that attacks the uh, the camp yeah and then it, he gets claimed because he gets he gets uh, injured, doesn't he? He goes yeah. into the water and it heals him. Yeah. And that's how he gets claimed by Poseidon. Yeah. But that... That definitely happens. Pushed over. Um, I'd say... I definitely agree with the differences of camp. I will give them some leeway just because, obviously, book descriptions, yeah. it's our imaginations. Yeah. And when we see things visually in a film, we go, that's not how I imagine it. So I'll give them some leeway as well as financial restrictions potentially yeah. if they wanted to go okay we're just going to do a basic camp and then we're going to do fancy other stuff yeah but they definitely could have done a better job oh, yeah. of the camp definitely and as well the claiming i think the claiming they could have definitely they, well they, they got rid of it didn't they, they just said Completely. you're from here 
Yeah. So your dad's Poseidon. Yeah. Nice, nice one. One thing that bugged uh, bugged me was the age. Like mm. he's meant to be twelve. Yes. Yeah. Again, some leeway because in terms of acting, like they might have wanted older actors so that they could do more physical stuff yeah. or they could have some sort of like romantic thing between like obviously Annabeth think it happens in the book, but obviously later on portraying it in yeah. a film is obviously easier and they can relate it to audiences. The issue where it is is it's a big plot point in yeah. the books. The how old he is because a prophecy throughout the books revolves around Percy turning sixteen yeah. and stuff kicking off. Yeah. So that was the thing that bugged me the age because I think he's sixteen in the film. I think he's already sixteen. Yeah, he's which just puts everything in a mess. Yeah. So that was one of the things that bugged me with it because from the start it's like going, okay. We're gonna to have to come up with some convoluted way yeah. to bring it back to the books if we ever want to do a sequel. But they didn't decide that. They no, just exactly. Went, no, they just went sold that. It's, um, it's stuff like that when it's major plot points that mm. really hurt a film, especially because if you're doing a a, a book to film, you're gonna to mm. want to try and get the book people on it as much as possible, yeah. the book readers on it as much as possible. Yeah. Because they're the ones that are gonna have loved it so much. Whereas you've got people that have never read the books come into it and they'll take it on because they won't know any better but when yeah. you've got a large amount of your audience's book readers they're going to rip you apart definitely here we are <laughs> yeah. here we go <laughs> I've got a couple of things to talk about the like near to the end of the film but is there any like middle parts or anything else you wanted to talk about um, the middle parts generally from what I can remember actually kind of follow it yeah quite well like Medusa, Medusa and the casino and the casino, casino the Lotus Casino that goes quite well. Mm. It's when they actually get to going into the underworld yeah. or close to the underworld. That's where it starts to fall apart. As a as a positive for the film, I did like uh, Grover's actor. Yeah, I, th- I think he did a really good job. He did a really good job. Yeah, I agree with that one. Weren't they attacked in a water park at one point? Yes, but I can't remember if it was in the film. It wasn't in the film because they all they did was once they left the Lotus Casino in Vegas. When they went to the underworld, it was the Hollywood sign. Yeah. It was straight there. So I can't really remember much about the water park and mm. how that went about, but they missed that out. But again, mm. I guess that could be brushed over yeah. a little bit. It's not a major thing. Here's a funny thing I've just, I've just found uh, that might be common for people listening now. But we've obviously both, like I said, we've both read the, fil- read the books. Yeah. We've watched the films. Just then remembering, mm. like I was remembering, like... And in, uh, like an imaginary description of like what happened in the water yeah. park, not knowing whether that was just me remembering how I imagined it, yeah. or if it was actually the film. Yeah. And imagine that's similar to you, like yeah. with stuff like you're not sure if it's in the film, but you can visualize what it oh, was. Oh god, yeah, yeah. So I, which is straight. I've, I've got good imagination when it comes to books. Oh yeah, well, well practiced. Yeah. But, um, I just thought that was an interesting point that I, I think a lot of people who read and watch a lot probably have experienced. So, yeah, when they got into the underworld, that's the underworld is not what it should be. No, they get rid of... Do they get rid of the sticks? Like, they obviously show it, but it doesn't have the same... The sticks, is it? Uh, river sticks. Yeah, they... Well, oh, yeah, the river, yeah. They, got, they completely got rid of that. Mm. They just literally had him floating through, uh, through air yeah. over fire. Which in the underworld there really isn't that much yeah, of. They're just like ghosts, aren't they? That just wander about in the yeah. books. And he, he says, um, "All all life ends in suffering." It's like, mm. well, no, Elysium. 
because that's not how yeah that's not how it works you've got Elysium where obviously like the heroes and everyone lives mm. and then you've got the field of um, of damnation it's not well it's, you've got the field of damnation but you've also got the other field where it's just literally like a meaning, meaningless existence Right. Um, where you've not done actually anything extraordinary in your life. I thought that was the field of damnation, wasn't it? No, because the field of damnation is where they're suffering because they've done something bad. Mm-hmm. There's another field where it's literally next to Elysium, so they yeah. can see it, and it's literally they're just stood in this field doing nothing. Yeah. Well, they've done nothing with their life. They've done just... nothing extraordinary with their life, and yeah. they've done nothing like bad. Yeah. So those people in that field have got the chance to reincarnate twice more. Yes. So that they can try and get into Elysium. Oh, here we go. The fields of Asphodel. Asphodel, that's the one. Oh, oh. Apologies for Greek study. It, like, it's not Elysium, is it? No, I mean the pronunci- oh, yeah. the pronunciation of that. Yeah. I don't know if that's correct. Excuse me, I've just excuse me. If that's correct uh, pronunciation, yeah. but that's what they are. That was never in the film. Mm. Cerberus was never in the film. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, Cerberus was never in the film, which was obviously it's a main part of the mm. underworld, the three-headed gate guarder. What was the name of Nico's uh, Nico's dog in the later books, the Hellhound? Oh, Mrs. Something. Oh no, you've done that to me now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because uh, she became like friends with like yeah. Cerberus, and that was like a thing that kept picking up over the next book and series, isn't it? Yeah, I can't remember Miss that one. But... Miss. Oh, I'll, I'll Google it in a minute, but yeah, but I don't remember that part. So that was all left out of the underworld. Literally, all he did was go over in the boat and then turn up at Hades' door. Like, uh, oh, great! Yeah, can, can we have the uh, lightning bolt back, please? <coughs> yeah. So, so what I wanted to bring up was first, I'll go into one of the biggest things that bugged me mm. was the lack of Ares. Yes, like. He like his character in the like Ares is never in the film. He's never in the first film. And for those who've only seen the first film and not read the book, Ares is the main villain of the first of the first book. The god of war. Yeah. And he's a great character. He's comedic, he's yeah. obviously brutal, and at the end of it he he goes along with what's god uh, he is god of. Yeah. He's done this to try and create some sort of conflict. Yes. Um, there is obviously the undertone of Kronos in it, but he's mainly done it just to start kicking things off. Yeah, it was it was him behind it all along. Yeah, of nick, nicking the lightning bolt and giving and planting it on yeah. Percy Jackson, um, and he's just taken out of it. I don't know. Well, they they replaced him with Hermes' son, which was um, Luke. Well, Luke was always bad. He was bad, yeah. Because film-wise, Luke's the main main yeah. villain, um, and he's done it. I wrote it down. He's done it. So he could nick it to destroy Olympus and have demigods as rulers. Yeah. Something rubbish like that. Yeah. But in the books, he's doing this for Kronos, who he's working with to bring Kronos back to life, who's currently yeah. scattered in a million pieces. You only find out, because Ares is the main villain of the first book, after Percy and Annabeth and everyone's dealt with Ares, afterwards as like the, like the epilogue mm-hmm. of it all, Luke poisons or... He sets a snake on Percy, and then that's yes. that's how it's revealed that he's the traitor of the camp. Yep. Um, and that leads into obviously the second and continuation of the series. Yeah, because if I remember now, yeah, because the hellhound that got into the camp obviously shouldn't have been able to get in. Yeah. Because there was um, there's a like a, a magical 
um, barrier barrier that stops anything like that getting in but Luke actually letting it mm. that's how that works yeah and there because that's the one that's from Thayer is yes is the name Thayer 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 I don't know I think it's spelled T-H-R-Y-A so it's Thayer oh okay mm. yeah the, just Luke is the main villain it just it just didn't come out of nowhere no. because no, no, I know going over and over like trying to go to different things there but the gods are very massively powered down in the film. Oh, yeah. And in the books, it's just like, snap of fingers, anything happens. Like, Dionysus, who we just brought up, who uh, is a great comedic character in the film, he's also put, portrayed as, if you miff him off, yeah. he's going to turn you into a tree. Yeah. Or something like that. And so, Luke's, Luke's as the villain, doesn't really have any meaning towards when we read the books, when he's like, I've nicked this ball, and now I'm going to destroy Olympus. Yeah. When you know any of the gods could flick, click the fingers. And that's it, he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. He's a demigod at the end of the day. He's not got that much powers. And he's the son of Hermes. Mm-hmm. I mean, what can you do with that, really? Oh, you harsh bugger. Isn't <laughs> that the whole thing of the, like, the last fifth book? It's just like, I'm only a god of Hermes, and you're being like. Yeah. Oh, you're, be, you're being like, as the old, he all said, you're proving him right. <laughs> <laughs> true though come on <laughs> like let's see the fifth uh sorry for those who haven't read but it's ages ago the yeah. fifth book ends with percy saying every god no matter how seen senior like all yeah. the minor gods should have a place at camp half blood yeah and you're just making his point yeah. going, oh look at hermes like, oh well poor oh, hermes you were like you were epitome of everything that was wrong with the world <laughs> yep <laughs> Um, it's me that all that I despise on me. Yeah, so that's why I didn't like lack of Ares. Luke is the main villain. Just complete reversal from the books, and not in a good way. The second, the second book at the start, they kind of made the camp a bit better, and like you said, though, mm. they um, they brought um, I can't pronounce his name. <laughs> the god. Uh, which one? Wine. Dionysus. Dionysus. That's the one. Yeah. Keep forgetting it. Come <laughs> on. But they kind of obviously made that an improvement, but it still didn't save it. Yeah, really. I've, I've, I found the second one the worst film, mm. but the one that mainly stuck to the story. Yeah. Until the end, in which it just went, here's it gone, and there it goes out the window. Yeah. Because if you've seen it, they bring Kronos to life, which doesn't happen until the fourth, fourth. film. I think it's the fourth. Fourth book, sorry. Yeah, because he finds him in the labyrinth, he comes alive, and then yep. gets chased out. Yeah, um, and Kronos is just—he's an intelligent titan who's manipulated everyone to come back alive. And in the second film, he's just this big magma monster, isn't he? Yeah, pretty much. It—it uh, it just messes with it and powers it. And then there's nowhere they could have gotten from that. There's no way no. a third, fourth, fifth film because they've already screwed the continuity enough that they would have had to come up with some convoluted back alley way to yeah. like bring it thing i mean i think obviously the filmmakers agreed because there hasn't been a third third mm. film yet after so mm. is there anything else you want like because i got a good thing to finish it off on but is there anything else that you had written down or anything uh nothing from the personal ones no but uh so i wanted to finish was rick reardon yep. who is the author and also um so just to give because i've read a few of his things if you've not heard of rick reardon i know you might have watched the films but He's written the Percy Jackson series, which is Greek mythology, and then goes into Roman mythology. And he's also written separate series on Egyptian and 
pretty sure he's also started a Norse one as well. Yes. So if you've if you're interested in mythology, then I would really recommend going uh, going and checking his stuff out because he does put more detail and it's a good way to understand the mythologies, even if it's I know it's based at young adult and such yeah. like, but it's just a really good, interesting series. As I was saying, he sent an open letter to schools around the country saying, uh, and I quote, no class deserves such a punishment. <laughs> please, uh, and then uh, um, I'm ad-libbing a bit here, but essentially it's, he said, please, to the love of God, don't waste your school time watching yeah. these films. Yeah. Like he, he, total, he had no creative uh, input to the films. They did it themselves. Um, I can't remember the studio at the moment, but he's not a fan. Like he's oh, no. disparaged it and tried to separate as much as he can away from it. And uh, not a fan. And the last thing that I read up on him was that he's open to have it rebooted, but the I believe the rights are still with um, yeah. I think it's twentieth century Fox, but I could be I could be mistaken there. But it's just funny seeing his reaction to the films. <laughs> uh, not surprising though. But he, he, he wants it rebooted and, yeah. he, and he thinks that Disney, like if Disney got hold of it, he thinks they could do a good job from what I last read. But yeah, that's pretty much everything on good old Bruce Jackson. Like I say, check out uh, the series he's written. They're really good books. And yeah, I there's really a lot, them. There's a lot to get through. So you'll, be, yeah. you'll have your hands full, which yeah. is always good. Uh, so what we're going to go into now is um, we've both uh, come up with bad adaptions that we've both watched and read but the other one hasn't just to bring a bit of variety uh so what i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna go first and talk about the golden compass or uh, what's actually known as the northern lights uh it's uh, a book series uh, the book series is called the dark materials and it's written by philip pullman the movie you might have heard of it now because there's a bbc tv series tv series come out of it that's apparently good but i'm waiting until it's all come out to watch it all because I prefer to just binge watch it through it. Yep. But in t around 2005, I think it was, um, the film was released called The Golden Compass. Um, the book's called Northern Lights, but they thought Golden Compass would obviously appeal to uh, as a better title. So the story is, it's a like dystopian world where people's souls mm -hmm. are portrayed as animals yep. called demons. So it, uh, my soul might have been a ferret like oh. that just stays with me and has to stay within a certain area of me okay and that's the world and there's zeppelins and such like and the world's mainly run by what's called the magisterium okay which philip portman represented as like the catholic church because mm -hmm. he was he was an atheist and he was an outgoing atheist and wrote a lot of and wrote these with quite a big message of against like organized religion and the power of the church yeah. and chose to represent that by specifically the Catholic church and represented that as the magisterium. Okay. So this was a place where they had free reign and could control things. And that led to, so I will, I will say because the TV series is, is out now and people, that might be people's first interaction with the series. So if you don't want to listen and get potentially spoiled by what I say, skip to Ryan's Inferno or Aragon, which will be coming on to uh, later. Um, but they go into stuff like separating the souls. So mm -hmm. the way they put it is between you and your demon, your soul animal, yep. they can cut that link okay. between the two and yep. separate the soul away. And afterwards, the person becomes a zombie because they no longer have their demon. They no longer have their soul. Yep. And a lot and a big plot point throughout the three films is 
there's a character called Lord Ezreal, who is, again, spoilers, is Lyra, who's the main character, mm-hmm. uh, Lyra's father, and his mission, really, is to try and find God by going through parallel worlds okay. and kill him. That's what his, his goal is throughout the films. Okay. So that's like the book's version. When the film came round, understandably, they're not going to put, put a film on that goes at the Catholic Church mm. with messages of trying to kill God. I understand that, but they watered it down. The issue I had, they watered it down so much yeah. that they just annoyed everyone. Okay. They annoyed the book readers because we'd read them and we knew what it was about. Yeah. Because like they watered the, it down to like focus on like it could be any religion. Yeah. Um. So that annoyed the readers who knew what they'd done. The Catholic Church was annoyed anyway because <laughs> of it course. because it was still against it was still a message against religion, but obviously. They had to water it down. They had to, yeah, they spread, had to spread spread the message. They couldn't target it. Yeah. And I read. Um, I've got a quote saying that when they considered that if they even mentioned or like targeted or even inferred towards Catholic Church, which readers already knew, but if they did that, they would make it financially unviable mm. in the US. Like they said. Okay. Yeah. They said. Because couldn't it do it. Work. Yeah. They would so just... so it was more of a corporate thing than a, a story thing. Yeah. So I understand that, but it's it's that it didn't it didn't make the film that it should have been. Yeah, and I understand why, but it's still annoying. It's isn't it? still annoying, and there were there were many things that were good about it, like there were the CGI CGI effects. Uh, I'm pretty sure it won the Academy Award for special effects. Like the to- there's talking polar bears in it. Yeah, um, they were done really well. Um, and all the demons, like you believed that they were soul beat, like yeah. s- they were a part of someone. There was so much going for the film, and the casting was, I thought, was excellent. Mm-hmm. Like Daniel Craig was the uh, this Lord Asriel, yeah, and he, he, I thought he did a great job of that. Nicole Kidman portrayed Mrs. Coulter, who is like the villain of the film, sort of, um, and. She did such a good job of it. Uh, Philip Pullman, after watching the film, said because she's got blonde hair, but in the book she's portrayed as having, uh, she's described as having black hair. Yeah. He said after the film, I was wrong when I wrote it. Yeah. Mrs. Coulter should have had blonde hair because uh-huh. she she did such a good role of it. Yeah. So I thought I was really interested. Good, yeah. And uh, another character who's an aeronaut in it called Lee Scoresby was portrayed by Sam Elliott. Mm-hmm. Who you might know from A Star Is Born. He's like an old yes. Texan guy. Or if you've seen Ghost Rider, you've seen Ghost Rider. I haven't seen Ghost Rider. No. I think you'd recognise him if you saw yeah, him. Yeah, I've, I've heard the name. I've definitely mm. heard the name. But I think he was like the perfect character for uh, for it. So there's there was many really good things of the film. It's just that watered down. It just yeah. it wasn't what the book was. And the end of the end of the book. I don't know. I don't. The end of the film wasn't the same as the end of the book because I, I'm not going to go into this particular spoiler because obviously the TV series and this is quite a major one. Uh, but the end of the book, it's a very tragic mm-hmm. ending to then continue on into the second and third book because it's a trilogy. But the the film portrayed it as a happy ending, happy ending yeah. but still wanted it to be a continuation so that it could go into a second and third film. Okay. Which, again... It hurts it, doesn't it? It's that understanding... But it's also it's not what the book was. Uh, that could just me being a big book fanboy and obviously not knowing. Yeah. But I think a lot of people and a lot of people do agree with my point of view because it this is one of the ones that has a big yeah 
um, bad book adaption uh, reputation. That's pretty much all I wanted to say um, on that one. Yeah. Just my interest in one. I think you should check it out. Like, I, th- I think from what you've said, it, it sounds mm. quite interesting. I think I do need to mm. definitely read it. Probably, probably not watch the film until afterwards. I would, I'd recommend watching the film mm. because then you'll know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, books, better. And like I say, I'm going to check out the TV series once all the episodes have been released because yeah. I've heard good things. Like I think... James McAvoy okay, is yeah. playing Lord Asriel, who's a really good actor, and Miss Coulter, who's the villain of the piece, uh, <laughs> is being portrayed by Ruth Wilson. Okay. I think her name is. So have you seen Luther? Yes. Psychopathic love interest to Luther. What's she called? Oh, um, redhead. As, as in his his demon. What? In no, Luther. Uh, in Luther. Yeah. The psychopathic, like the f- in the first episode her who kills her own parents oh yeah that's that's the actress right and i really liked her in luther so i think she's uh i, I got me- mixed up mixed up then i thought you said lucifer <laughs> lucifer <laughs> lucifer not luther <laughs> got it wrong my bad yeah have you, have you seen you. luther i have seen a little bit of can, can you remember what i can yeah do you know what my name is i can't oh, <laughs> i don't sake. remember <laughs> luther yeah. and lucifer little yeah yeah just a couple of spelling <laughs> yeah um yeah, so casting's good. It's BBC. They normally do a good job of these things. Yeah, yeah. That's me. Right, mine is called Inferno. It's a book written by Dan Brown, <laughs> who also in the, it's the same series of uh, books. So it was uh, Angels and Demons, yep. Da Vinci Code, Lost Symbol, and Inferno at the moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the new one that's came out uh, last year, uh, which I've read as well. I can't remember what it's called. So, so I've got these. I've got these upstairs. Yeah. I've just not got round to reading. Do you remember yet. what that last one's called? Because that's that's annoyed me now. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I could search your. Um, I'll search your watch your talk. Yeah. So basically, this um, this entire series is about a professor of religious symbology. Is if that's how you can say that called Robert no, Langer. Right. Um, and Inferno is the fourth book. It's the third film made. Okay. Um, they completely skipped over the lost symbol, but it's obviously it's different stories in each one. So are the are the like sequels in the sense that these take stuff from the previous films, or they're like standalone stories? <laughs> the, ca- the, the kind of the the kind of standalone stories, mm. but the like in some of the films they kind of reference the other ones. Right. Okay. So like say the Da Vinci Code is the second one. Yeah. And they reference. Stuff that's happened in Angels and Demons because Angels and Demons is about the Catholic Church and the um, I've seen the, the film Illuminati, yeah. yeah. But in Inferno, it's um, it's about a geneticist called Bertrand Zobrist mm-hmm. who thought that overpopulation was a major issue with the world, which it is. There's a recent purple alien that should get on with. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he went to the World Health Organization saying that we need to sort this out. And he said that he had an idea, like a virus, that could sort out the issue. Yeah. And he kind of went, he didn't go into too much detail with the World World Health Organization, but they branded him as a terrorist and a monster. So, and, but Zobarist had a massive following with people who thought that overpopulation is a bad, bad thing, which it is generally, and that they wanted his plan to go ahead, and his plan was Inferno. So it was to, um, spread a, a virus to everyone in the world mm. and 
they believed that it would kill one third of the entire population just like that. So not as bad as Thanos. Not as bad as Thanos, just a third. <laughs> just a third. Just a third. But um, Zobris knew that he would get caught because he was on the run for about two years. Mm. And he eventually did get caught and committed suicide by jumping off a tower in Florence. So is this is this the, like, is this the story of Inferno? Is this like the precursor? Of... This is the story of Inferno at the okay. start. Right, okay. Um, all Generally, I liked the film mm. until the last 20 minutes. Because basically what Zobris did was that he knew he was going to get caught, so he left a trail. He was a big fan of Dante. Okay. And Dante also um, painted and wrote... He didn't, sorry, he didn't paint. He wrote Inferno, which was the nine different uh, levels of hell. Yep. And so what Zobris did was he left like a trail in Dante's Inferno, leaving clues and everything for his followers... Yep. to try and find where he'd left this virus, where he wanted to spread it. He also left a message to say when it would get spread. So, um, so, so Sorry, I might have just yeah. missed that, but how come he had second thoughts? Like, How come he left these messages? No, it was just in case he got caught. Oh, okay, right. Okay. It was just in case he got caught, so that if or if he died, yeah. so that Someone his followers could, could carry it on. Yeah. But he made the virus, and... Um, if I remember right, Robert Landon's in it because he one day wakes up um, with amnesia okay. and someone tells him that he's been shot yep. it, it, or it grazed his head but he's got amnesia from it and the doctor that sorts him out in the hospital is called Sienna Brooks mm-hmm. who's played by in the film by Felicity Jones yep. and obviously Robert Landon's played by Tom Hanks yep. brilliant casting the pair of them obviously mm-hmm. I mean Tom Hanks has done Brilliant with the Dan Brown books yeah. and the films, but then he gets started gets tries to uh, bloody hell try and speak. Um, this group try and assassinate him for some right. reason because he has actually got the first clue. Mm. You can't remember how he got it or anything, but it's like a pen, yep. which shows Zobris the the Inferno. So basically, it's just carrying on like him and Sienna Brooks going around um, Italy trying mm. to find these clues to try and find Inferno. So what's the bad? Why is it a bad adaptation? The bad, like I said, the, the film is good until the last 20 minutes where it completely changes the ending of the book. So the ending of the book is that they find... Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers, <laughs> sorry guys. Is that they find yeah. where it is, the, the actual bag which held the virus. Yeah. And that was in the um, cistern of Istanbul. Okay. They find that it's um it was meant to be getting I can't remember the date that it was meant to be getting released, but um they're there on that date just before midnight and they try and find it, but uh, they find out just before it that Sienna Brooks was actually Zobris' lover. Okay. So she was actually she was trying to find it to help to actually make it happen. Whereas and she's been the companion of, with, of Robert Langley who's been film. trying to stop and it. Is this book or is this film? This is both. But okay, carry on. Um, but both in the book and film, she leaves him because they're still getting chased. Yeah. She kind of traps him in Venice yeah. and then turns to him and says, like, you called Zobris the murderer and everything. And then he realises that what she is and then shows that he's she's the lover. Yeah. So she leaves to go to Istanbul. And so he eventually gets with the World Health Organisation who both, like, they try and get there. Yeah. Sienna's working with other Zobrist fans yep. to try and st- to get it to happen. They get 
to Istanbul to the place where it's meant to be being released. Um, in the book, what happened was they get there and they find that the uh, the bag's not there. Okay. They find just a little bit of plastic flapping away, and they've realised that the actual because the plastic that it was made of was um, biodegradable yep. really quick, and they found that it actually um, burst a week before. Okay. But it was today they found that it was actually spread worldwide because the World Health Organization doctor in America tested his own blood and found that he had the virus, even though it was done in Istanbul. Yep. So they found out that everyone had this virus, but it wasn't killing a third of the people. It actually made a third of the people infertile randomly. So it still did the job that he wanted it, to it do. still did the job that he wanted to do Zobris wanted to do but it just made a third of people infertile it didn't kill anyone and it does it makes and it continues through generations well there is going to be no generations no but as in like so the people that everyone's got the virus but not everyone's infertile oh so like so a percentage of the people are born would then be infertile but they'll be infertile okay. but other people won't be and the film version and the film version was that everyone's dead <laughs> No, uh, the the bag of the virus is there. They managed to contain it. That sounds interesting. The the virus doesn't get spread. Mm. Happy days. It's a hero's ending. Yeah. And it goes. It see what the book did was it made people think. Hang on a minute. Overpopulation is an issue. Would this be a good way of mm. being able to stop it? Yeah. And Sienna Brooks actually gets caught in the film. Yep. But then she works with the World Health Organization. She's taken with them to see because they they think at the end like we've got a massive issue ahead of us. Do we keep this, or do we try and stop it? Yep. Do we try and cure it? Whereas in the books, what uh, in the film? Sorry, what she did was she died. Okay. Yeah, she tried to blow up the bag by putting bombs in the water, but um, they blocked the signal to a phone. Yeah. So she jumped into the water and set off one of the, the bombs, killing herself. Yeah. Um, but they managed to put the um, the bag of the virus in this like sealable box so it didn't split. Okay. So at the end of it, it was all a happy ending and mm. they put in this really weird subplot of um, Robert Langdon and the World Health Organization director knowing each other mm. and having like a romance type thing where there was no need for it <laughs> at all. How long's the film? The film's about an hour and... It's about an hour and a half, hour and 40. Okay. It, like I said, it does everything that the book did until the end. Yeah. And that's where it falls flat. Mm. Because now you've just washed over a really major uh, problem with the modern world. Mm. that And this book made people talk about it. Do you reckon this is like similar to... like I was talking about the Golden Compass. Like you Compass. said, yeah, they've made the end. They've watered it down. Mm. Because they think it's going to... Yeah, it's gonna myth some people off. It's gonna if you target exactly, it towards yeah. a certain group, and this although it's not targeting anyone, it's bringing up an uncomfortable, an uncomfortable scenario, like, scenario and topic. Yeah, that, that, that they must have thought like, oh, we can't do that because mm, people are gonna scream. Yeah, like we've got, we must have to, uh, you know, do a dramatic, do ending. a dramatic hero ending. Oh, look at that, we've saved the day. Robert Langdon saves the day again. Yeah, and that's just what miffed me off. Yeah, and it did a lot of the book fans as well. Mm. Every book fan that has watched that film does not like it <laughs> because of that ending. It it would have been... And, and I understand if it would have hurt them if they'd have done this, but it's still a problem today, overpopulation. Yeah. And it would have got people... To, it might have gotten people talking. Yeah. 
So that was that was what I felt about Inferno. If you've not seen it, I'd recommend reading the book first mm. and then watching it because you'll realise what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the message of the. I think if there was like a, a caption to this podcast, it would be read the book first. Read the book first, <laughs> like it, and then go on towards the film to realise what we're talking about. Yeah. Anything to add? Uh, I don't think so. It sounds. It sort of sounds like you you enjoyed the film, but then you just it like, messed me over. You rage quit like at yeah. the end. <laughs> I did enjoy the film. The film was good. Yeah, it it changed a few little subtle mm. things. That I won't I won't say. Mm. It's the same thing for me in the yeah. compass. It's like I enjoyed the film, but it's just like it yeah. wasn't the book. It's 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 the end. The ending just just ruined it and just yeah. put me off it completely. So, but, shall we? Now, this is the one that we have been looking forward to most because... The elephant in the room, there the is go-to a guide on now, now literally to adapt your film. If you like, type in Google, or Bing if you so choose, yeah. <laughs> um, if you type in bad book to film adaptions... If not the worst. Almost to guarantee this is going to be the top result. Oh, God, yeah. And that is... Aragon! Aragon 2006. Um, so, for those who don't know, Aragon was a book written in 1997, I believe. I oh. thought it was 2002. Uh, yeah, it was 2002, sorry. Yeah, 2002. Uh, I'm thinking of Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 2002, and it is about a boy who finds a dragon egg uh, and bonds with this dragon that hatches and progresses through the series, which is called The Inheritance Cycle of combating a dictatorial, uh, dictatorial kin. Dictator? A, a tyrannical king. Tyrannical, yeah, that, that, that works. Galvatorix. Yeah. Um, and it's set in a, a fantasy world, obviously dragons, elves. It's very similar to uh, Lord of the Rings. He took a lot of um, themes from it and is compared uh, greatly, both positively, positively and negatively, with Harry Potter and Star Wars. That's the basis of the film. Um, so why is it universally panned? Where to start with start, this? Start at the beginning. I mean, the book is just an incredible, incredible story, especially for the author, Christopher Paolini, who mm. wrote it when he was 19. Yeah. Between 16 and 19. Because mm. uh, he was born in 1983 and it was published in 2002. It's an amazing mm. book for someone so young. Definitely. But... Um, I mean, the start of it is obviously it kind of it's okay because Aragon is in his hometown village of Carver Hall. Yeah. But the stuff that already messed me about was when, as soon as you're introduced to Carver Hall, the soldiers, Galbatoric soldiers, are already there. They were never there in the books. Mm. You get the Razak, which is Galbatoric's um, like assassins. Um, who turn up trying to look for the egg, which is actually, it's found out later, Gal- one of Galvatorix's um, three dragon eggs that he had yeah. left, because these are the only dragon eggs left after the uh, the dragon riders were all um, yeah. it, you know, killed so off. Dragon riders is the name of uh, the people who contact, who gain contact with the eggs, and the dragon inside chooses for them to be their rider. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one main story yeah. point. It's just this book. The, the the film just left out so many major plot points. So I think I'll, I'll start with you, you like characters start, yeah. because I've got a list of white stuff. So uh, one of the biggest characters is Roran, who yes. is he's essentially Aragorn's brother. 
essentially essentially um without it's, him. His, it's, it's his cousin yeah um and he's he's in the film for a little bit and then decides to sod off to work somewhere else yeah he, he says he says in the film that i'm leaving because i'm old enough to be recruited by the army yeah and so i need to get out of here because i don't want to do that well, whereas book version book version he left carver hall to go to the next village which I can't... It began with a T, Ferris Ford or something like that. I think so. Um, to go work in a mill because he just helped um, some uh, a mill owner who came to Carver Hall for something and he said, I'll give you a job. But he's doing that because he wants to um, marry a woman called Katrina. His love interest in the books. His love interest in the books. Um, and Katrina is the daughter of the village butcher, butcher who is also Sloan. He's also not in the film. Yeah, Katrina so. is completely left out of the um, left out of the film. She's in she's in a deleted scene. She's in it. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. But <laughs> they didn't put it in the uh, mm. in the film, which is really annoying because it's a major yeah. plot point. So the main bugging thing from this is again, it's back to the book. Is that the same we said with Percy Jackson? Those characters are major points. Yeah. Going down the line, <clears throat> going down the line, like Sloan, who is the butcher, he had made big impact in the second film yep. in the second book I should say and the Roran and Katrina relationship and Roran as a focus is a massive thing in the second book in the second yeah um, so, and the third as well in a way yeah uh, for the start of it mainly I'm just thinking in second just because it was obviously near to the yeah. time because it was made in 2002 and then the, the film came out in 2006 yeah. so I, I can't remember when the eldest which is the second book came out but the focus on them and then they just disregard it would, yeah. would have made it semi-impossible to bring out a second film to focus on them when you didn't know them much to begin with. So that's that's the reason for like the annoyance that they're being left out. Yeah. And I think they, they had enough time to oh, yeah. at least explain. I mean, like you say, Katrina was in the film, but just deleted scenes. In the deleted scene, so... And si- similar reason for the Razak, as you say. Yeah. We'll go into Razak because they come up later in the film as well. But, yeah, yeah th- this part with the Razak is that they are a major point of the inheritance cycle from book one to book three. They in the in the film, they literally chase Aragorn and his companion, who he leaves Carver Hall with, called Bron, who's yep. like the village storyteller. Yeah. Um, and about an hour, maybe not even that, into the film. They both they get attacked by the Razak, mm. and Brom kills them. Now that it's relatively easily, don't well. relatively easily, yeah. But that has massive wavelengths for what actually happens in the book because they don't get killed until the third one, and they just they're... and it kind of it kind of messes with the story of the book as well mm. because they completely leave out um, Brom and Aragorn's uh, traveling. To Tyrion, yep. the port city, where they meet Brom's friend, old friends from the past called Jode. Yep. And Jode becomes more important in the second one as well. Because yep. they're trying to figure out where the Razak are from so that they can go and kill them. Yep. Um, and they find out that they, because they find um, it's a bottle that they left behind with um, like burning poison in it, yep. which they find was brought in a shipment and sent from Tyrim to a, a city called Drasleona, yeah. which is where their lair is. Um, so then they travel to Drasleona to try and find them, and that's where they get attacked by the Razak. Yeah. But they don't get killed by them. Well, they don't kill them, sorry. They're, yeah, they don't kill they them. They don't kill them there, but they get chased out, and then they get ambushed, don't they? Yeah. 
which is where the Razak then spoilers kill Brom. Brom. Yeah. But in the in the book in the film, sorry, Brom has already killed the Razak. Yeah. And then there's they never go to Tyrion, they never go to Drasleona, hmm. and then they suddenly uh, Aragorn has like a, an image in his head of an elf yeah. that's imprisoned Arya. in uh, called Arya in a town called Gilead. Mm. So he goes off, leaving Bronn behind to go and find him. To so, go and find her. So we'll just stick but with I the mean, yeah. <laughs> we'll just stick with the Razak sec because yeah. it's not just the fact that they've changed the story with them. It's yeah. again due to outer effects because the Razak pretty much are the main basis for Roran's storyline yeah, in the yeah. second book. And they're, just, they're a main point of the start of the third book as well. Yeah, they are. Um, well, they're in the, the entirety of Roran's story, pretty much. So by them killing. And how they're seen in the book, how in the films, yeah. is basically an altered human, basically. Yeah. Or not human, but like pretty similar to a human whilst in the books they're described as fast as fast as an elf yeah. as strong and so it's like and they're not and difficult to kill like yeah very difficult to in kill. the third film when aragon is basically basically part elf yeah like he's just like he's, he's keeping just able them. to do it yeah well he's, he's actually doing it because he goes against two of them with a staff doesn't he so he's actually yeah. out doing them a bit but as they're, they're portrayed as many times stronger than a human yeah. so it's like and they just get killed just like that in the film, yes, it's, it's not. But like you said, like it messes with the story of the second book because Roran returns to Carvajal. Yeah. But so we don't, we don't need to yeah. really go into it yeah. that much. But basically, basically, half the book wouldn't, wouldn't happen, happen. In the second. Well, to be honest, none of the well, and then a few of the other ones as well. Because how how would he carry on the story of Roran getting to Aragorn mm. without the Razak? So that's yeah. that's messed them up. Uh, like I said, the never to Tyrion and never yeah, meet They get rid of a lot of Aragorn and Bronze yeah. uh, interaction, learning. Uh, like he, he teaches him to write and magic, don't he? And teaches him pretty write, much all magic, of that. everything. Whereas he hardly does anything of that. I will give a, a positive that I think, obviously, saying uh, Jeremy Irons is an incredible actor, but he he was Brom. He like, was Brom, yeah, and that like, was good. He was he was the character like. Re- reading it again since like when I've read it since I've not read it in about ten years now, but yeah. Brom was the character like Jeremy Irons was Brom. Like, yeah, such a good casting and such a good job of it. As, as much as we didn't see him as well, if I add on, is um, Galbatorix. Yeah, John Malkovich. John Malkovich. He yeah, he was another one that I could have seen as being because I don't really like like Galbatorix as a villain. I think he was very like very boring. Like he doesn't yeah. he doesn't show up until the last hundred pages of the fourth book. No. Um, and prior to that, he's just said in whispers and nothing really interesting. You just know he's this tyrannical, like you say, Ty- tyrannical king, yeah. And he's not brought up until the second half of the fourth book, yeah. And then he's sort of, like, yeah, gone. gone. Yeah. So, but in terms of the portrayal, like yeah. even if it's just a few seconds, like John Malkovich was it, like, it was I good. could see, I could see that. Yeah. Um, next part again, it's another plot point that kind of messed with me. With it was when. Uh, Aragorn and Co. arrived at uh, Farvandur. Yes. Where is basically um, against the tyrannical king Gabatorix, there is a an organization called the Varden, who is the rebel group of the um, of the entire series, and they are hiding in a place called Farvandur, which is Farva Mountain in yes. Dwarfish. 
Um, so it's for, in, for those not fluent. Yeah, for those not fluent. <laughs> and the inside Farvendor is a um, it's like a hollow mountain, and inside it is a city called Trondheim. Yep. Where they're presiding, and Trondheim is a dwarven city. Yep. Now, what major thing did they leave out of the film? When they made Trondheim and Farvendur. So what major thing did they leave out from a dwarven city See. built by dwarves? Ruled by dwarves. Ruled by dwarves, where the dwarf king resides. Yep. Including all of his subjects and his yep. army. And basically more than 50% of the Varden army, I think. Are dwarves. Are dwarves. Um, what could they possibly miss? I think you've guessed it by now. It's dwarves. Yep. Dwarves. They completely missed out the dwarves. No dwarves in the Varden, just humans. None at all. I mean, I don't know how much else to say about that, really. <laughs> they completely missed those out. No no dwarves whatsoever. I mean, Aragorn got rescued by a dwarf to get into Farvendur. That didn't happen. Uh, well, if you want a perfect example of British sarcasm, you just need to get that sound clip right there and yeah. just keep it on. <laughs> yeah, no wonder. Uh, so, yeah, not much to say about that. There's no dwarves. Speaking of creatures that weren't, well, weren't there pretty much, yeah. was it was only till I looked at clips of it that the Urgles were just tri- like tri-humans, yeah. weren't they? They yeah, weren't, they weren't much. monsters as, as they are in the... Oh, it? and then, if I remember right from the, the film as well, Brom, when they first see the Urgles, he goes, they used to be the king's mm. enemy, now they're his guard. Whereas mm. you didn't know that. In the book, in the book, you didn't know that he was. At, they were actually working for um, Galbatorix until un- later. until the actual battle of Farvendur, yeah. where they capture one of the Urgles. And the main thing that annoyed me, uh, sorry to like, skip back yeah. and just read in my notes uh, about the lack of dwarves, was Aragorn's interaction with Hrothgar, yeah. the king of the dwarves, and Auric. That's who I was trying to think of his name was that rescued him. That's Auric, es- especially Auric. Because Oryx basically becomes like Aragorn's brother. Yeah. Well, literally becomes his like half brother, and that like just progresses throughout the books. And he's and he's a really good character as well. Yeah. I really enjoyed it, uh, his character. But again, with no dwarves, there's no none of that. Nope. Again, it's all with a pinch of salt because we know it's a film. They have restrictions, but it is when they take out a massive piece and you're just yeah. like that. That's unforgivable to yes. me. You cannot leave all of that out. You could maybe put a few dwarves in there at least, but mm. it's a dwarven city. How can there be no dwarves? So, yeah, that kind of annoyed me. They migrated. Yeah, <laughs> so migration people. Um, next point of it, it's tw- it's the end of the film. Yep, After well. the battle. So, Aragorn wakes up, and obviously he's he, uh, in halfway through the film, he went to Gilead and actually rescued Arya. Yep. Who was in, who was imprisoned, um, and he brings her to Farvendur where she's healed and everything. But at the end of the film, after the battle, he wakes up to find out that she's leaving, yep. and he goes and chases her. And obviously, she, she says some rubbish to him, saying that we'll meet again. Yes, and we're, I'm going back to the elves. Miss you already? Yeah, I'm going back <laughs> to Weldenvarden, which yep. is the forest that the elves lived in. Yep. Now, that is another major plot point mm. because. She would, she, she, would, she, she would literally have to turn around immediately to start the second film on the right note. Yep, because with the second second book, um, Aragorn actually travels with Arya yep. to Duelden Varden yep. so that he can be taught the ways of the Dragon Rider. 
Yeah. And with Aria leaving, that is just gone. Yeah, she would literally have to spin round. Yeah, like, there is no way. I know there, could have done there that. wasn't a second film ever made for but, reasons, <laughs> but it's it's the fact that this this well, it's, we're talking about bad book to yeah. film adaptions, so we have to take it in the context of what we want from the books and what yeah. the book continuations would be in film version. Yeah. So it's basically saying. Well, she would have to literally turn the horse around after leaving and go, oh yeah, we've got to do this next we've episode. We've got to go this now. So, in all, I think Aragorn-wise, mm. it, it, too much was changed mm. from and the I don't, I don't know if you can remember this, but Sephira's yeah. um, growth. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> that was instant. Yeah. So, Sephira uh, is the name of the dragon that's um, that's bonded with Aragorn. Um, and it's she grows throughout the whole series, but yeah. the obviously the main growth is throughout the first book where she transitions from like a young dragon to being able to breathe fire right at the end of the film to being able to be ridden. So, but within the first fifteen minutes of the film, yeah. she flies over a cloud, time time skip, and yeah. she's only a fully grown dragon. Yeah. Now in the books, it's told that um, dragons never stop growing. Yeah. And yet she's just grown just like mm-hmm. that. Whereas it took a good few, I mean, in the book time, it took weeks before of Aragorn actually looking after Sephira mm-hmm. before she could do anything, before she could speak to him, yeah. because she speaks through her mind to Aragorn, for yeah. people that haven't read the books or watched it. Obviously, they got rid of that in the, uh, in the mm-hmm. film, which I can understand, because that would have yeah. taken a bit too long to get through it put it into a few days. But the growth part, again, it's a bit, yeah, just like, that shouldn't have happened. But um, so basically, with Aragon, it's it's your go-to guide for not how to uh, adapt your book to a film. But I, I don't think it's Christopher Paolini's fault at all, the author, because I don't think he got much say in it. I've not read much into it. Mm, I've not read anything into it. Because I, I look at the age that he was. He was mm. nineteen when this was published, and when the film came out in two thousand six, he was only twenty-three. Mm. So. Would he have been too scared to say anything to the film? Producers? I mean, I, I want to go into some positives. Like yeah. I've, I've already mentioned, Brahm and mentioned Galbatorix as John yeah. Malkovich. Um, a couple of positives I did see of it was was those, and I thought Rob uh, Rob Carlyle as mm. Durza. I yeah. think he was a good representative of what I imagined when reading the book. Yeah. I think. For those that haven't read it again, Derza is a shade. Mm. Uh, what's called a shade, so it's basically like a dark magician. Yeah, pretty much sums it up. So I think he like that was a yeah. good. Uh, I think he did a good job of that. Um, this like the the special effects of it yeah. for the time were, were really good. Like the dragon's fairer. I think she looked really good she for was, the yeah. time. And a special uh, special consideration towards the final fight scene when she's in armor. Yeah, I think that was that was a part of the book. So. Yeah, one of the best best uh, examples of a CGI dragon that I can yeah. think of uh, in, in recent in recent memories at least. So there was were some positives and to do with like you say age. Um, I don't think although the actor who played Aragorn mm. looked like what the character would have been, although we, I think there was a few age difference. Blah blah. But anyway, um, the actor that was his first professional role, mm. and I think you could really tell. Oh that. yeah. Because it was very, it was very corny acting. Yeah, and I think that's a real shame. Obviously, there was like just changing the actor couldn't have changed anything, no. but it was never the performance that I could see going any further. Yeah, and I don't. That's not his fault because I think he's 
gone on to doing really well at Downton Abbey, I believe it is, mm-hmm. from what I looked at. But for a first performance, I think it's a real shame that that, that was the film that yeah. did it. Again, not his whole first professional acting performance, but yeah. Yeah. So to say with that, then with Aragon, I mean, obviously we've got the positives of the acting, but when it comes to the story, it's it's not the best at all by no means. And for what they did with the with the film, there was no chance of them being able to do any sequels no. at all. It just ruined it. And as you can tell, if you have a look at the ratings that the film got, yeah. it was absolutely rinsed by book readers because yeah. it just messed with it too much. I would have even said that the way to get Aragorn best, the best way, would probably be a TV show, in a way. Hmm. Maybe. I think if they could do the if they had the budget mm. to do it properly like Netflix potentially yeah I think that'd be a good idea but I also think I don't know it's, it's issue because there's so much in there that's what I'm saying because yeah. I, I don't think a movie really does it much justice because mm. they're having to leave so much out it would have to be Lord of the Rings because it is it's very similar to Lord of the Rings yeah so you would have to have it similar length yeah. And then you would have people immediately saying it's Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Because people say that already. Uh, which I don't disagree with, like, with the slim similarities, but it, it is his own thing and you can it enjoy is, it yeah. separately. Anything else? I think we've covered everything, really. I think yeah. we've definitely done our bit on this one. Yes. Yeah, so I'd read the. like inher- It's called The Inheritance Cycle by Christopher Fellini. Uh, really good series and uh, it's just a really enjoyable read. Like all the books we've mentioned, so like all the films, like you can watch them, you can enjoy them. Obviously, people will disagree with us. All, but all the books we've mentioned here, I think we both find them decent. Yes. I, obviously, we've not. Uh, you've not read the Dark Materials, and I've not read uh, Dan Dan Brown stuff. But both know that we'd probably enjoy it if we did, mm-hmm. or when we do. Uh, so check them out. So we've got uh, we've got social media set up now. Uh, now this is the third episode, so we are at. Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at the What's On Podcast, and we're at Twitter at underscore What's On Podcast because someone nicked us to it. <laughs> um, so yeah, check us out there. Let us know how what your thoughts. If there's any other book, uh, bad book to bad book to film adaptions out there, and we'll check them out. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you very much. See you now.